Welcome to Total Teen Health and Wellness, the podcast for parents of teenagers to learn more about how medical and mental health issues are affecting their teen children. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and I'm an adolescent medicine physician, providing essential education and helpful guidance to parents of teens and young adults. This podcast encourages parents to empower their teen children to live healthy and balanced lives. Welcome back everyone to Total Teen Health and Wellness. Today for episode 20, we're going to talk about risk factors and warning signs for suicide in children and teens. Suicide among young people continues to be a serious problem. And suicide now is the second leading cause of death for children and adolescents age 15 to 24. The majority of children and adolescents who attempt suicide have a significant mental health disorder such as depression. Among younger children, suicide attempts are often impulsive and they can be associated with feelings of sadness, anger, and even overreaction. As parents, we want to know the warning signs so that we can be aware of this risk in our children and to get them the help that they need. Today, I'm going to talk about different risk factors, more specifically around mental health, but also other risk factors in the environment. As far as risk factors with health, mental health conditions, as I mentioned, of course, depression, serious mental illness like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, substance use problems also can increase the risk for suicide. Conduct disorders, which are patients that may be having issues with behavior, getting in trouble with the school and police and anxiety. There are also medical factors that can impact the risk for suicide. Many of that relates to chronic health conditions, especially those that involve chronic pain. Brain injury, traumatic brain injury can increase the risk for suicide in young people as well, and that can even be with multiple concussions or recurrent concussion. There are environmental risk factors that affect patients. Having access to lethal means, including firearms and drugs, is a risk factor. Being in a prolonged, stressful, intense situation, such as ongoing relationship problems, family stress, abuse in the family, even harassment and bullying with other relationships, stressful life events. And these things do affect children as well. Parental illness, divorce, financial crisis, other loss, other significant rejection that the patient feels. Another environmental factor is exposure to another person's suicide, hearing detailed stories, knowing uh, the actual outcome, having even graphic accounts of suicide that they've read about or heard about. And for patient history, the things that can increase their risk of suicide relate to previous suicidal attempts, previous self-harm, 
family history of suicide, and also those that have experienced childhood abuse and neglect and past traumas. It's important to note that there are also protective factors, things that we can provide to protect our children against suicide. Foremost is having access to good mental health care. That when patients are reporting depression and anxiety, when they're reporting issues that are affecting them mentally, that they have access to care through seeing a physician who is proactive and appropriate and also counselors and other support. Sometimes that can be difficult in certain cultures and families They don't know where to access care, or there may be taboo around care for mental health. And so all we can do to reduce stigma around mental health treatment is going to help save children and protect children against suicide. For children, it's also important that they feel connected to family, that they feel the support, they feel that unconditional love that their family gives them. And when children and teens don't have that or they doubt that or they don't feel that because of trauma in the home or abuse in the home, then they have a higher risk. One thing I've talked about throughout this podcast and as we talk about in adolescent medicine is having healthy coping skills. We all know that stress happens. Things can happen that can cause us to feel sad and worried, but we have to have healthy ways of coping with those feelings. Many of my teens that turn to self-harm or have suicidal thoughts are not dealing with their emotions in a healthy way, and they may turn to unhealthy coping or even impulsive coping, which can result in injury and death. We want to limit the access to lethal means. So when we have patients that report ideas or thoughts around suicide, we want to keep them safe in their environment, limiting access to anything that they could use to hurt themselves. That means keeping guns locked away, keeping medications secure, keeping all sharps secure in the home, things that they may use to hurt themselves. Let's now talk about warning signs, what parents need to know and watch out for that may identify risk in their child. One is a change in behavior, especially if patients are having completely different behaviors than they've had before. And we'll talk through what those behaviors are. We really worry if they have new or changed behavior after something painful, whether that's a painful event, a loss, a breakup, a failure, some type of crisis in their lives. Many patients have more than one warning sign, either through what they say or what they do. And so there's three main areas that parents need to be alert to, and that relates to how the patient and their child is speaking, how they're behaving, and what their mood is like. So related to how they're speaking, if a person talks openly about killing themselves, we need to take that seriously. If they sound hopeless, if they sound like they don't have a reason for living, that they feel that they're a burden to others, 
that they have no purpose, that no one would care if they died. If a person talks about feeling trapped in a situation, in a relationship, in a down, dark place, that may be a warning sign. Many patients will talk about feeling unbearable feelings, unbearable pain. And again, that may be a warning sign. As far as behaviors and watching for how their children's behaviors might change, especially important to note change in behavior after a painful event, such as a breakup or such as some type of failure or crisis in the child. One thing will be increased use of alcohol and drugs. We worry about that use across the board in teens and young adults, but especially if it's accelerated. If you see and find on their search history on their phone or laptop or tablet that they're searching for ways to end their life, that they're looking online for methods to die by suicide. They may withdraw from activities. It may be a child who was involved in sports and in yearbook and they quit those activities. They withdraw and isolate from their friends and family. They may have little energy or little interest in things, sleeping more than they should, not taking care of their general hygiene, not eating well, staying in their room, isolating. Those are all signs of depression and may be a warning sign of suicide. If they give away things that they own or possess, especially things that are important to them, that's a definite warning sign. They may text or call people and say goodbye or say some type of conclusion to their relationship or communication, and that needs to be taken very seriously. There may be aggressive behaviors. There may be aggressive and destructive behaviors and also self-aggression. Most patients that consider suicide often have different mood changes related to their mental health. As I mentioned, they may have depression. Depression is sadness and hopelessness, but it also is apathy meaning patients just are not as interested in things, they're not motivated for things, they don't care, they may not be engaged with things. And so it's not just sadness and crying that you notice, but a sense of apathy is very important to note, especially with hopelessness and changes in sleep and appetite. They may have anxiety, feeling on edge, feeling irritable, feeling restless. They may have a lot of shame. There may be shame regarding prior trauma, shame regarding eating disorders, drug use, other things that have happened to them. And if patients express a lot of shame and humiliation, then they may be at risk for dying by suicide. There may be intense agitation, anger, and that anger and agitation can be self-directed and result in suicide. 
as a parent myself, I know it's overwhelming to think of your own child suffering with all of these different warning signs. But we know that parents have a real role in keeping their children safe and healthy. There is help. I'm going to spend another podcast on the treatment of depression and suicide prevention. And to let you know, there is now a universal national suicide helpline. It has been around, but it was harder to remember. And now it's a centralized number, 988. And so if at any time your loved one, your child, your young adult child is talking about suicide, behaving in a way that makes you worry about suicide, having mood changes, things that you are really concerned about and you don't know where to turn, 988 is the place to call. If you are immediately worried for risk of injury or risk of death, then the two more emergent ways to get care in person are to call the police and the police can come and do a safety assessment um, to have that support and help. You can also take your child to any emergency room where they can be stabilized and evaluated. And then there are other types of treatment options depending on the impending risk. And I'm going to talk more about that in this uh, next episode of the podcast. Again, suicide prevention, I believe, starts at home and in the family. So I empower you parents to take the measures needed to prevent suicide by recognizing the risk factors and warning signs and keeping your children safe and healthy. I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening today. If this episode helped you better understand the health of your teen and you're ready to learn more, please subscribe to hear future episodes of this podcast. Consider sharing it with other parents of teenagers. And remember, parents can help their teens live healthy and balanced lives.